Let's make two of our confessions. One, the new one. I am here on purpose because I have a purpose. My heart is open. My mind is ready to receive because God is not finished with me yet. My best days are right in front of me. I have victory in my life because Jesus lives in me. Now, that's a lot of words. This one is very simple, but it is so true to the core of life. Are you ready? The Word of God is true. If I live the Word, I will be blessed. If I don't, I won't. It's just that simple. Tell your neighbors you're seated. It is just that simple. Next week, Sue will be up here and she'll share on, uh, I think, prayer also. Is that right, honey? And uh, Sue is an intercessor and she'll do an awesome job sharing on prayer. I'm going to share from my experiences. There are a lot of people that can share a lot more in detail on the doctrinal belief and theological word of what prayer is all about and what different types of prayers there are and all of those types of things. And I've had teachers that taught me that and it never really took hold in my life as far as really understanding all the different types of prayer. All I know for sure is that I can talk to God and He can talk to me. And we're going to talk about that tonight. And uh, if you have your Bible, you can start with the book of Mark chapter 1. But I want to share this with you, kind of overview of what we're going to talk about tonight. Uh, Prayer is really extremely, extremely, extremely simple. God has always wanted to talk to us, and He's always wanted us to talk to him. God has wanted to hang out with us, and he's wanted us to hang out with him, and he wanted to fellowship with us, and walk with us, and talk with us, and love us, and have his, our love back to him. And that's the way it was all set up in the Garden of Eden. And what happened is man could not do what God told him to do because of the nature that the man, God's own creation, did in regard to what God said. How many of you have ever had things that you put in motion that did not work out the way you thought they would and it end up in a horrible mess? Can I see your hand? No different than what God did. God set in motion mankind and he had a plan. And he said, look, this is exactly what I'm going to do. I'm going to fellowship with you. You're going to fellowship with me, and we're going to be part of a big family, and we're going to populate the entire world. But I have one request and one request only, and that is I want you to stay away from that tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And if you'll do that, everything is going to be great. And what did man do? Did the very thing he knew not to do. Now, we can talk about Adam and Eve, but let me see the hands of all the people you know you have done something God told you not to do. It is a lack of, of love, which that's true. Because if you love somebody, you'll, you'll, you'll do what they want you to do. But really and truly, it's a lack of obedience to the command. And until you understand obedience to the command, you'll never be disciplined to be everything God's want you to be. We're living in a society today. Now, turn to your neighbor and tell them, we're eventually going to get to prayer. 
We're living in a society today that has produced, for whatever reason, from the beginning of time, a whole bunch of enablers. People that don't want anybody to be held accountable. They don't want anybody to feel bad about them. The discipline has gone by the wayside in our schools. The discipline is going by the wayside in our military because we just don't want anybody to feel bad and we don't want anybody to be ever disappointed and we don't want anybody ever to be discouraged. So therefore, anything's going to go so everybody feels good about themselves. Isn't this great? Glory to God. The devil's running amok and we're all okay now. It's all a bunch of BS. The Word of God is true. That's it. I won't be here next week. It's okay. <laughs> Let's all say it. The Word of God, word of God is, truth. is truth. If I live the Word, I, the word. I, will, be I will be blessed. If I don't, if I, don't I, won't. I won't. Oh, God is a God of grace. He loves me. His unmerited favor is always there. He'll never withhold anything from me that I want. No, that's an enabling parent. It is not God. God will withhold everything from you that you want if you're walking in disobedience. He won't hurt you. He won't cause sickness and disease to come upon you. He won't do bad things to you. He won't let the devil have you. But he's not going to give, 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 and produce everything that you want to accomplish his will until he knows you'll be disciplined. The way you're promoted in the military is you're obedient to orders then you can trust somebody with more and more. It's the same thing with a child. I can trust you with more and more and more because you do what I tell you. A lot of people don't understand prayer from the standpoint, in my opinion, and I've experienced this, that if you do what God says, He'll give you what He wants you to have. And if you don't do what He says, He's going to wait until you decide to follow after Him. Thank you for that overwhelming silence here tonight. Just turn to your neighbor and say, Amen. Amen. Now let's get into the meat of what we're going to talk about because it's important that you understand discipline and obedience to a command. God is not suggesting for you what He wants you to do. Turn to your neighbor and tell him, God is not a God of suggestions. If He tells you to do something, He expects you to do it. And the reason is because He wants to bless you, and that is His nature. So here's what we're going to talk about. Some of it is in the book on, uh, uh, on make the best of the rest. Because when, when I first got saved, the first person dominant in my life uh, regarding prayer and regarding uh, the things of God was my wife. Uh, I didn't know anything about the, the Lord. Uh, Joe Livesey led me to the Lord, as most of you have already heard. And uh, so I, I didn't know anything. And, and right after that, I didn't know how to pray. Uh, I'm not even sure I pray right today. All I know is it works. Uh, I know that when I talk to God, He talks to me. And when I ask Him to do something, He either does it or He tells me I'm not going to do it because He's got something bigger and better for me. And the thing I ask is what, not what I want anyway. Let's all say this. I don't want anything. God doesn't want for me. We live in a lot of people pursuing things that God doesn't want you to have. It's not for you. It'll take you the wrong direction. So it's not like, uh, it's not like you're a bad person doing the wrong thing, but you're praying and pursuing the wrong thing and trying to get God's hand to move on your behalf. God's hand will always move on His behalf based on what He wants you to do. And everything that God has ordained for you to tell you to do, He'll supply every need you have. All you got to do is get on the right path. When I first got saved, 
I was on the wrong path. I was $30,000 in debt, and I heard a scripture that said, it was John chapter 14, verse 14. One of the first scriptures I ever heard. It's one of the simplest scriptures in the Bible. So I stood on that one when I prayed. John chapter 14, verse 14 says, if you ask anything in my name, I will do it, basically asking or praying. And I thought, well, that's really great. I went out of debt, $30,000. I went out of debt. I went to Lincoln Continental. And there'll be more later on, God, that I really have. We're going to really have a great relationship here. Well, I got out of debt 15 years later, I think. Uh, I never got the Lincoln Continental. But God knew that either one of those would spoil me. And he showed me how to do this. And so, so when I first got saved, I, I, Pam, Pam knew she had a handful with me uh, because she knew God brought me into her life, but also she, she knew that I was a little rough around the edges. And uh, so she said, she'd say to me, now, honey, here's what you need to do. Had a business that was faltering, and, uh, and I, I knew that, that I needed to sell it and, and, and do something. She said, you just go to the river. You go down to Wabash River, and uh, you just sit there and pray. And you just get a little book, a little prayer journal, and you write down what God tells you. And I remember going down to uh, Sears at the time, but the little park right across from Sears. And I'd sit there at a picnic table, and I'd pray. And I'd write down what I thought I heard. Nah, that's right. And I wrote down, she said, God will, God will perform what, what he tells you. And I'd write something down, and I'd argue and talk. And it was, it was really bad. And, uh, and one day I even had a, 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 a Coke and, uh, and everything seemed to be getting worse and worse and worse. How many of you have ever prayed and sought God and it seemed like it got worse? Can I see your hands? <laughs> and uh, and, and I, I took a big swig of this Coke, and all of a sudden this thing is in my mouth is a bumblebee. And I thought, how, how bad can things get? I finally spit it out. People die from that sometimes, but I finally got that bumblebee out. And I had a prayer journal for about three days, maybe four days, and finally I went home one day and I ripped it apart, ripped it up and threw it in the trash. And I said, this, a few choice words, doesn't work. And she said, what are you doing? I said, I'm throwing this prayer journal away. This just doesn't work. I prayed on a Monday. I didn't see it by a Tuesday or Wednesday, and so therefore prayer doesn't work. I was really rough around the edges. But then she said, honey, stay at it. And I really, in my book, I said, I, I, I owe so much to my wife because she was such a blessing to me. She said, don't give up. Just keep praying. God will show you. And I, I stayed with it. And I can say this today. My whole life has been changed because of the simplicity of prayer, the simplicity of listening, the simplicity of walking before God, and the simple childlike faith of saying, I think I can take, talk to God, and I think God can talk to me. So let's all say it. I think I can talk to God, and I think He can talk to me. And He will tell you whatever He wants you to know. Now, we're going to look here at Mark chapter 1, verse 35 through 39, because it's a story of Jesus praying. He's getting away from what everybody expects Him to do. And uh, in, in the book of Mark, uh, chapter 1 here, Jesus uh, had been uh, uh, praying and for people and uh, preaching in Galilee. 
and uh, people were being saved and healed and delivered. And it said now in the morning, verse number 35, having risen a long time before dawn, daylight, he went out and departed to a solitary place where he prayed. Now, he is our example. And if Jesus prayed, we pray. Let's all say it. Jesus is my example. So if the Son of God prayed to his Father, we pray. And Simeon and those who were with him searched for him. And when they found him and said to him, everyone is looking for you. And Jesus said to them, let's go into the next towns that I may preach there also, because for this purpose I have come forth. And he was preaching in the synagogues throughout all of Galilee and casting out demons. In other words, people had an idea of what Jesus should do. Let me see the hands of all the people that you know there are a whole lot of people trying to influence you to do what they want you to do. Don't ever start listening to people. You listen to God. Don't be influenced by the needs. Now, I want to stop here just for a second because it's really important. Were there needs where Jesus was? Tremendous needs. People need to be healed. They needed to be set free. They needed demonic deliverance. Had he done that the day before? Yes. Now he went away and he prayed and he came back and the disciples said, hey, where you been? We got a whole bunch of people here waiting on you. They need to get healed. They need to get set free. They need demonic deliverance. And Jesus said, no, I'm going on to the next village. This is my purpose. This is my assignment. This is where God is leading me. We aren't moved and led by the needs of people. We're moved and led by the leading of the Holy Spirit. There are needs everywhere. By doing this, we'll meet the needs of the people. But you're led by the Spirit of the living God and by the Word of God. Now, that's going to sound contrary to what a lot of people tell you. No, we're all about meeting the needs of the people. No, we're all about being led by the Holy Spirit. You can miss God's will by pursuing things that people think you should be pursuing. How many of you have experienced that in your life? The Holy Spirit doesn't drive you through other people. The Holy Spirit leads you by the Spirit of the living God. And this is really important that you get this. In Luke chapter 1, for time's sake, I'm just going to paraphrase it. It's the woman who kept, who went, Jesus gives the example of the woman who went to the judge. And he was an unrighteous judge. He didn't, he didn't love God. He didn't fear God. He didn't even like people. But she kept going and going and going and going and going and asking him to move on her behalf. And finally, well, I think I will read that because the last part of that is so good. It's in Luke chapter 1, talking about the persistence of prayer. And in Luke chapter 1, uh, verses 1 through 8. No, that's not the right script. I got the wrong book. It's not Luke chapter 1, verse 8. Oh, boy, God, I got the wrong scripture. What is that scripture? Okay, bear with me for just a moment. Pam, the unrighteous judge, where is it? If you've read through that Bible 20-some years, you ought to know. Where is it? It's not? Okay. Well, anyway, basically, I'll paraphrase it and I'll figure out where it is later on. But, but finally, Luke said that, that well, I'm, am I going to find this type of faith? This woman was so persistent, and because of her persistence, she received what she wanted. Sometimes when we pray, 
We don't have it on the time frame that we think we should want it. That doesn't mean you give up. That doesn't mean you can't begin to thank God for what it is. That doesn't mean that you can't continue to realize and know that once we pray, God hears us, and if He wants us to have it, we will have it. Matter of fact, let's say this. When I pray, God hears me. And if He wants me to have what I pray, I will have it. We may not know the timing. I cannot recall any time God has worked on my time frame. But I can recall in my prayer journals going back and seeing when God moved on my behalf. Jesus was asked by the disciples in the book of Luke. It doesn't say this in the book of, uh, in the book of Matthew, but in the book of Luke, Jesus was asked by the disciples, well, how do we pray? In the book of Matthew, it states that in Matthew chapter 6, if you want to turn there, because all of you know this scripture, I'm sure. Jesus said, I'm going to teach you how to pray. And it's in Matthew chapter 6. There have been several books written on this. I don't remember the author of this one particular book, but he said the most perfect prayer is what Jesus taught the disciples to pray in the book of Matthew. In this manner, therefore, pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Thy kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. This covers almost everything. As a matter of fact, it covers everything about your life. And when you pray that prayer, it is, it is, as some people have said, a perfect prayer. Years ago, one of my heroes, the first people, person I ever read his book, uh, or, or read one of the first books I ever read, was by Dr. Cho. It's called The Fourth Dimension. I still recommend it. You can get it through Barnes & Noble. But it, it, Dr. Cho, at one time, had the largest church in the world. I think it still is. He's not pastoring that church any longer. He has went into retirement. But at the time, when Dr. Cho was saved, he, he, he felt like God was calling him to preach. And uh, all he had was a Marine Corps tent from the Korean War, and he started preaching in that tent. And uh, he had just a few people, a handful of people, most of them were family, I think about six or seven people, and he would preach with his eyes closed. And one day they asked him, why are you preaching with your eyes closed? And he said, oh, it's very simple. When I pray, I hear exactly what God tells me. How many of you have heard things when you have prayed that are so far beyond your comprehension, you can't? wrap your mind around it. Can I see your hands? Because if you'll let yourself go in the realm of the Spirit, God will give you glimpses of what you're going to do. A lot of people don't do it because they can't understand it. I believe that's why in the Word of God it says, lean not to your own understanding, but in all of your ways acknowledge Him, trust Him, and He'll direct your steps. I've seen that happen. Cho said this, when I prayed, God told me I will have the largest church in the world. When I open my eyes, I see you few people in this Marine Corps tent. When I close my eyes, I see the largest church in the world that I pastor. Fast forward several years, he had the largest church in Seoul, Korea, in a war-torn economy. Uh, almost a million people in his church. 
and uh, he accomplished great things, great and mighty exploits for the Lord all around the world. So in prayer, we birth forth what God wants us to have. Now, on your outline, you'll see what I'm saying right, saying right here. But what actually is prayer? It's really simple. You communicate with God, and God communicates with you. Let's just say it. I communicate with God, and God communicates with me. When Dr. Show had reached a level of success around the world, and he was being interviewed at a TV station one time in America, and they said, what is the secret to your success? Would you like to know the secret to his success? And he said, oh, yes. It's very simple. I pray, and I obey. That's what I said. I pray, I obey. Now, turn to your neighbor and say, it is good anytime, but especially in church, to be honest. How many of you have prayed and heard God tell you what to do? A lot of hands. Whoa. How many of you have prayed, heard what to do, and not obeyed? Can I see your hands? Looks to me like the same amount of hands. Let's all say it. Not too smart. Turn to your neighbor and say, not too smart. Now, that's not condemnation, but it is a checkup. Why would we pray and ask God what to do and hear and then not do it, knowing that blessings are on the other side and that we're, our whole life is about serving God and that someday we'll stand before Him? It's really quite simple. Now, the title of this message is The Key to Life to a Life of Peace is Prayer. If you really believe that when you pray, you give it all to God, and He'll take care of it, and you're free then to be you, you would always want to pray about everything. Most people think before they pray. Most people lean to their understanding before they pray. Both are incorrect. The first thing we do is not lean to our own understanding. We lean to the Word of God. What does the Word of God say? Sometimes the written Word tells you what you need. Most of the time we need to pray because we're not really sure. The first thing we should always do is pray about everything, but the human nature seems to want to describe everything you see. Oh, have you heard about this? Oh, have you heard about this? Oh, have you heard about this? The human nature seems to like sensationalism. So-and-so did this. So-and-so. Who's praying? Oh, we'll do that later. Yeah, I'm going to pray for you. And then we never get around to praying. What we do is pray first, and the peace of God is always there. How many of you know some people that are just peaceful all the time? And you'd like to be more like them, but you also think there's something wrong with them because nothing seems to bother them. No, there's nothing wrong with them. There's something wrong with you. Because if you are living and walking the Word of God, you will never be anxious about anything. Oh, no, I can't. I've got to be anxious about something. I've always been anxious. This is going to be close to home here, but <laughs> there's somebody that I like to hang around with <laughs> every once in a while. Uh, she's, she's a little older. She's going through some things. I took, her a <laughs> I took her a stress ball the other day. How many of you have seen them? These little gummy things. They're just full with gummy stuff. 
uh, somebody gave it to me, and I thought, this is the dumbest thing. The Word of God is fine. I stuck it in my desk drawer, and one day, one day I was in the office, and I just about had it with everybody. And I opened that drawer to get something, and I saw my stress ball, and I put it out. I said, this is fun. This really does. This does work. Now, the Word of God is better than a stress ball, but I gave this person a stress ball, and they were all stressed out at the time. And, and, uh, and they were telling me how bad everything was. And, and I said, you take this stress ball, and you just start doing this with it and doing this, and all the stress and anxiety will leave you. They just took it. Ah, it's all gone. That's what they told me. It's all gone. <laughs> like this. I don't know if it's all gone or not. You know, there's a lot of uh, psychosomatic type stuff that you suggest it and people will buy into it. That's what the devil does. There's nothing wrong with being an oracle of God and telling people how they're supposed to be. But a lot of people think, well, I don't want to upset anybody. You're not going to upset anybody by speaking the word of God. Never. And, and so you need to understand how this works. Now, let me show you what I just said. Because you might be wondering, I don't know about that. How can you never be upset or anxious about anything? If God says you're not to be anxious about anything, then you shouldn't be. But is there a key that you plug into that removes that anxiety? Let's look at a scripture we're all familiar with in this church because I use it a lot. Philippians chapter 4, verse 6. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything. Everybody say everything. Because a lot of time we put the emphasis on I should not be anxious about anything. You shouldn't be. But what's the key? Be anxious for nothing, but in everything. Everybody say everything. Uh, it doesn't matter what happens with the kids, what happens with your finances, what happens in situations. It says, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let all of your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which will surpass all of your understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds through Jesus. In other words, the peace of God will be there, and you will not be leaning to your own understanding, but because of prayer and supplication. God, I thank you that you're taking care of this. I don't know what to do with this kid. I'd like to string him up and tie him up and beat the crap out of him. But all I know is that you love him and I love him and I don't know what to do, so I give it all to you. I cast every care upon you because you first cared for me. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7. So when we pray, we pray and speak the word of God. We don't complain and moan and groan. We give the word of God to God. We talk to God and he talks to us and then he shows us what to do. Now, four very important prayer results. Number one, and this is in my, in my life. I'm going to talk about a prayer journal in just a moment. But, but there are so many anxious and troubled uh, people today. And the problem that they really have is they don't have a productive prayer life. A productive prayer life is not something you do from 6 in the morning to 7 p.m. or one hour a day or 30 minutes a day. At one time, and this is not a criticism, uh, but at one time Pastor Billy Joe uh, decided there's a guy who used to travel around the country, around the world, F.F. Bosworth, I think was his name, and he was a prayer warrior and an intercessor, and he believed in early morning prayer. 
And he, every morning he prayed at 5 a.m. Now, I thank God for people who are early morning risers. You are not looking at one of them. Uh, but, but he's an early morning riser. So he, Billy Joe had him come to Victory one day and share on prayer. And it's great what he shared on prayer. And, uh, and he said, I pray every, every morning at 5 o'clock wherever I am every day of the week. And Billy Joe got an idea. And he said, we're going to pray at 5 a.m. every morning at Victory Christian Center. And so, now, now listen to this. If you're going to pray, and he had all the staff, you know, he said, we're all going to meet at 5 o'clock and we're going to pray. Well, if you're going to pray at 5 o'clock in the morning, uh, for guys, you've got to at least get up at 4.30. The women get up probably at 3 a.m., but you know what I'm talking about. And, and, and uh, so we, we, at 5 a.m., we would go. We filled the car up with the kids. We're going to prayer. They're mumbling. They're grumbling. And I'm, we are going to have fun. We're praying. And it was horrible. It was horrible. And uh, we'd fall asleep during prayer, and they'd fall asleep. And then after prayer, we'd have to send them to school. This prayer... This prayer went on the first, the first time we prayed. We had three, 400 people showed up. It's like, whoa, this is really working. Then this, the next day, it was like 200 people, and then 100 people, and then 50. We finally got down to eight people. <laughs> and Billy Joe said, we're going to do this differently. I thank God for early morning prayer warriors, but it isn't even a question of when you pray. It's a question of always, always, always being in an attitude of prayer. Not an hour of prayer, although that's important. Jesus had talked about that. But, but it's important that we're praying all the time and that we're praying in the realm of the Holy Ghost. And I'm going to show you that in just a second. But here's what happens is the result if you do this. <clears throat> One, through prayer, God tells us what He wants us to hear. Number two, through prayer, we tell God what we want Him to hear and what we want Him to do. Through prayer, fellowship develops with God. The more you pray with God and hear from Him and He hears from you, the more fellowship you have. In the natural realm, you can understand fellowship. The more time we spend together, the more fellowship we have. The less time we spend together, the less fellowship we have. We're not quite as close. But the more you talk to God, the closer you are to God. And then number four, through prayer, a deep, fellowship develops. I meant a, a relationship develops. In other words, the relationship, I can honestly say this today. My wife told me when we first got married, I always preferred Jesus over you. I said, I don't know if I like that or not. Uh, it's okay to have him up there with me, but I don't know if I want him ahead of me. You think I'm kidding, but there's a little bit of jealousy when we first got married. I didn't know the Lord that well. It's like, wait a minute, I'm your husband. But I understood over a period of time. I thank God I had a wife that felt that way. I can honestly say she prefers the Lord over me. I can honestly say I prefer the Lord over her. I would never want to be without her. But he is number one. And that's what needs to be in your place. Jesus is number one. Now, that is because and only develops with a deep-seated relationship. Now, in Matthew 26... Uh, Jesus is in the, uh, in the garden, and it's about time to fulfill his destiny on this earth. And he begins to pray, and he begins to realize that maybe, and I'm paraphrasing this now, but maybe, and this is my opinion. Everybody say, this is the pastor's opinion. 
maybe he doesn't want to do it exactly the way God wants him to do it. You ever had something like that? I shared it in my book, but when God spoke to us to go to Tulsa, Oklahoma, that meant I had to leave uh, my three children here. And I shared it in detail in the book that some people would still say, I don't think that could have been God, but to the best of my ability, I believe it was God. And we drove away without him. And I cried all the way to Tulsa, almost. I mean, I think I really did, off and on. Uh, but I knew it was what God was showing me to do, but I did not want to do it. Now, this is where I believe a lot of people miss God's best for their life. They want to do whatever God shows them to do, but then God shows them something to do, and they don't want to do it. You can do what you don't want to do. I know that sounds like double talk, but tell your neighbor, you can do what you don't want to do. It's called discipline. It's called discipline to your God. I will do whatever you tell me to do, no matter what the situation outcome is. I'll do whatever you call me to do. And in the Garden of Eden, Jesus is face to face, fully knowing what his assignment is. And he's crying out to God. And he says, God, if there's another way, let it happen. If there's another way. And he prayed this three times. But then he said, finally, nevertheless, your will be done. Let's all practice that. Let's say, Lord, Lord nevertheless, nevertheless, your will be done. And because he did what God showed him to do, you and I have the victory. Let's all say it. That's why I have the victory. <clears throat> he was looking for another way for a couple of moments, but then he said, no, Lord, your will be done. Now, in 1 John chapter 5, verse 14 and 15, it's extremely powerful scripture. It says, this is the confidence that we have when we ask, when we pray. When, we ask, when you see the word ask, we're talking about prayer too. They're interchangeable. But uh, now this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we pray and ask anything in accordance with his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, then we know that we have the petitions that we have asked of him. And that it doesn't matter when it comes to pass, we know that we have what he has asked us. Now, before we get into very quickly praying in the Holy Spirit, <clears throat> I was saved in 1980, and my wife and a couple of other people told me, you need to get a prayer journal, and you need to pray, and every time you pray, you begin to write in your prayer journal what you think God is showing you. And, uh, and I began that in 1980. I don't know how many prayer journals I have, but they're on a shelf in my library at home. Uh, but I have every prayer journal, with the exception of the first one I destroyed, I wish I still had it, uh, from 1980 until the present. And I go back occasionally and I will read those. And I am amazed at the things that God has shown me, bits and pieces that come to pass 5, 10, 15 years later. There's nothing like hearing from God and then seeing it come to pass. But don't be concerned about when it happens. The confidence we have is if God said it, and if it's God's will, we have what he said. And when we pray, we have that faith. So what we've got to know. And I want to share a few things with you. Because 
You have the power to change somebody's life. Turn to your neighbor and tell you, you have the power to change somebody's life. In other words, you're on an assignment from God, and God will speak to you through the Word of God written and through His Spirit to show you things to do. Some lady called us last week. I talked to her today. Some lady called us last week and told us God gave her a vision pertaining to me, and it was something that was absolutely right on that just penetrated my heart and changed my life at that moment for the next season that I know that I'm going into. She said, I can't understand why I would have to do this or call, but I feel like I'm supposed to. God wants to use us all. When, when, when Joe Livesey turned to me and he said, Joe, are you ready, uh, Bill, are you, would you receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior? And I said, yes. Yeah. Well, we're going to pray. Everybody say pray. pray. Everybody say, that's how I came into this thing. He came into it by prayer. <clears throat> Now, this is a young guy, well, young, well, younger than I am now. Yeah, yeah, this is a young guy not knowing how to pray. Lord, if you have a wife for me, I'd like to have one. But if you don't, I'll be okay alone. Middle of the night, he gives me Pam's, Pam's name. Lord, what do you want me to do with the rest of my life? I want you to go to Tulsa, and there you'll find the meaning of your life. Yeah, but what am I going to find there, God? Never spoke to me again. Never heard from him. God, I would like a little bit more clarity. If we're going to work together, I want a little bit more clarity. I never heard another thing. I go to my wife. I say, I think we're supposed to go to Tulsa, but I don't know what we're going to do. And I'm hoping she says, well, we're not going. She says, let's go. What are we going to do in Tulsa? Open doors. I was praying the other night, and God showed me. Oh, a lady came into my office in Tulsa. Now, the same. Th this all applies to you. God has these things in store to you. Turn to your name and say, God has this in store for you. Some of it's already happened to you, and you're trying to figure it all out and make it happen. You don't have to figure it out, and you don't have to make it happen. God will do it. I went out there ended up working in an employment service. A lady walked into me one day. She wanted to work for us. I hired her, thought she knew what she was doing. Then I thought she was crazy. She is weird. She'd been to Rainbow Bible Training Center, and she was just weird, weird, weird. And she came in one day, and she said, God spoke to me and said, you're going to be the director of Victory Bible Institute. You're nuts. I haven't even been to Bible school. Four years later, I become the director of Victory Bible Institute. She wasn't as crazy as I thought. Sitting in Victory one day, in my spirit, praying, you will go on staff at Victory Christian Center, and Mark Turner will direct you. Now, the reason I'm saying this to you is not to bring attention to me. How many of you have heard things you can't understand? Let me see your hands, seriously. You, you can't understand. Don't let go of them. Meditate them. Don't, don't be driven by them, but meditate them. God, if this is you, I know it's going to come to pass. And so I'm sitting there, and, and I just kind of praying in the Spirit, and Billy Joe's out there preaching. He probably wouldn't appreciate that, but I was just praying in the Spirit, zoning out a little bit. And, uh, and instantly, this is what I heard. You're going to staff at Victory Christian Center. I'm a, I'm a Bible student in the first year. You're going to staff at Victory Christian Center, and Mark Turner will be the person who brings you on board. Well, that can't be God. Mark Turner just left the church and went to San Francisco. That's not God. Have you ever doubted whether or not you heard God? You know, every year you should get a little bit smarter and a little bit sharper. I know that voice. I know that voice. I know that voice. And I thought, I heard from God, but no, obviously I didn't. Two months later, Mark Turner comes back to victory, and he sees me and says, hey, I need to talk to you. And instantly he did. He was like, wow. That must be God. And he said, I won't put you on staff at Victory. All of these things, God's doing the same thing to you. 
This decision, oh, we're sitting in the meeting. Now, everybody say, I'm supposed to be led by the Holy Spirit. Now, that comes out of prayer. Glory to God. You said in a whole hour, Pam, and I'm about out of time right now. Okay. <clears throat> I'm going to skip all of that because I want to get to what is, what is down here. <clears throat> the tremendous importance of praying in prayer, uh, praying in the Spirit, Acts chapter 2, Acts chapter 10, Acts chapter 19. The day of Pentecost is when the baptism of the Holy Spirit fell in the upper room. Everybody began to pray in other tongues. Let me see the hands of all the people you pray in the Holy Spirit. You pray in other tongues, Okay. That means about 20, maybe 10 or 20 of you don't or didn't raise your hand or fell asleep. I don't know. But anyway, <laughs> then in Acts chapter 10, uh, Peter was sharing on the Holy Spirit. The people didn't know about the Holy Spirit. He said, you all need to be baptized. They were all baptized in the Holy Spirit, spoke in other tongues. Acts chapter 19, the same thing happened. Peter prayed for all of them. They all spoke in the other tongues. Now, why is it important that we pray in the, other, in the Holy Spirit? My best example of that is Dr. Cho. When he first got saved, he got filled with the Holy Spirit, started praying the Holy Spirit, and he started praying with his understanding. We're going to talk about that in just a second here. You've got it right in the notes in front of you. But as he prayed in the Holy Spirit, God began to speak to him and show him what he was praying in the Holy Spirit. And when he was praying in tongues, he was hearing, I'm going to have the largest church. You're going to have the largest church in the world, and you're going to go around the world, and you're going to touch people. Marine Corps tent, nine people, and something he's hearing that far exceeds anything that he sees with his natural life. Oral Roberts in Tulsa, Oklahoma, looks at a piece of land, and he's praying in the Holy Ghost, and all of a sudden, he sees this university. And in this university, and he sees all the buildings, and he calls the people up that owns the land, and he says, I need to buy this land because God's going to use it for university. And say, we don't like you, and we're never going to sell it to you. We're never selling this land. We don't even like you. And he says, oh, God. And God said, what did I say? He started to tell God it's not going to work the way God said. Turn to your neighbor and tell him, God does not need your correction. <clears throat> and he began to pray and he kept seeing it. And he kept walking the land. He prayed with his understanding. He prayed with the spirit. Fast forward about four years, I think it was. I may be wrong on the time. The people called him. Somebody died. Somebody else had something. They said, we want to sell the land. They sell them land less than what they originally wanted to sell the land for. If they were going to sell it, Oral Roberts, Univers Oral Roberts buys the land. The things that he saw by praying in the spirit now exist the university, how many of you have been there? Some of you have been. It still looks futuristic. It was built in 1964. God said to Oral Roberts University, you will raise up people that will take my spirit where my spirit is dim, my light is dim, and they will impact the entire world. Done deal. It's already been done. He's in heaven, but the university is still impacting people. Billy Joe Doherty, driving down Victory Christian Center, driving down Lewis Avenue, praying in the Holy Ghost, looking around, looking over, looking at a piece of land across the, uh, from the university that he had graduated from, and he saw Victory Christian Center there. And he said, I didn't know who owned the land. I'm talking too fast for my mouth. Didn't know who owned the land. Found out it was Oral Roberts University, Oral Roberts, university, Oral Roberts Evangelistic Association. Called him up, said, you'll have to talk to Oral Roberts. He called Oral Roberts up, who was just up on a plateau for him, I'm sure, uh, on a pedestal. And he said, Brother Roberts, I want to buy that land for church. He said, I'll never buy, I'll never sell that land. Never sell that land. 
Billy Joe had heard from God. Now he's got a man that he's got there on a pedestal said, I'll never sell it. Fast forward a few, about a year, he called Billy Joe up and he said, Billy Joe, you still want that land? And they ended up selling that land to him. And now Victory Christian Center is across the street, impacting the entire world because the guy prayed in the Holy Spirit and prayed with his understanding and saw with his spiritual eyes. It's time to stop seeing with our natural eyes and see with our spiritual eyes that comes out of praying in the Holy Ghost. And when you understand that, it will change your entire life. My prayer journal is my life. Thank God for the Bible, but without my prayer journal, my life would not be what it is today. My prayer journal next to this Bible is the most important thing in the world to me. I am amazed at how many people still don't have a prayer journal in this church, even though I talk about it time and time and time again. Without a prayer journal, you don't know where you're going, you don't know where you've been, and you can't coordinate the two. With a prayer journal, you can look here and you can say, glory to God, God told me that, and you start plugging those things in, and it will change your life. Tell your neighbor, your prayer journal will change your life. Five reasons why you pray in the Holy Spirit. Sandy, how many prayer, journal, uh, prayer uh, booklets do we have by Hagen? Would you find out real quick? Yep. Okay, now, <clears throat> why should we pray in the Holy Spirit? Number one, we speak to God. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 2. Number two, we edify ourselves, 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 4. This came up one time in Tulsa, Oklahoma. It was amazing. Uh, it was a VBI class I was teaching. A guy came up to me and said, I don't believe you should be praying in tongues because uh, it's very selfish to edify yourself. And I told him very politely, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Have you ever seen anybody that's not edified able to edify somebody else? You can't edify somebody if you're not edified. Glory to God. It's like being on an airplane and you, that mask comes down. Get that oxygen on you first. Number one, we speak to God, 1 Corinthians 14.2. Number two, we edify ourselves, 1 Corinthians 14.14. 14. Number three, we pray, with our under, we pray in the Spirit and we pray with our understanding. We pray in the Spirit. We pray in our understanding. We sing in the Spirit. We sing in our understanding. One of my favorite times, of all times, you'll never see it, by the way, is in the shower, praying in the Spirit and praying with my understanding. Oh, glory to God. I absolutely love it. Water bill, extremely high. I could care less. I absolutely love it. I'm going to go home and do it again tonight. Number four, we pray according to the Word of God. Romans 8, 26, 27. The Holy Spirit prays through us. I don't know what I prayed, but God does. And if God wants me to know what I prayed, He's going to show me with my understanding. But whatever it is, when we pray in the Holy Spirit, we are praying the will of God. That is such an important scripture. When you pray in the Holy Ghost, you're praying the Word of God. Now, your mind tries to say, well, what am I praying? Don't be concerned. But when you pray, know this, in the realm of the Holy Spirit, you're praying in accordance with the will of God. Number five, we build ourselves up. Jude chapter 20, we build ourselves up in the most holy faith. I have never, ever not prayed in the Holy Spirit and not felt better about myself. Oh, glory to God. But when I'm under attack from the devil, harder and harder to pray in the Holy Spirit. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Oh, glory to God. I don't 
feel like it. I don't want to do it. I don't, I'd just soon have a beer. You know, you know those types of things that you just want to get carnal. You, you know what I'm talking about? You just get carnal instead of pressing in and saying, no, 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 no. I need to pray in the Holy Ghost. We need to pray all the time in the Holy Spirit. I was fortunate enough when God sent us to Tulsa, Oklahoma to be around a man. First, I thought he was kind of weird. Uh, he's praying the Holy Spirit all the time. You'd be talking to him. He's, His lips would be moving. I thought, is he okay? That's Billy Joe. And he's praying the Spirit all the time. And then I, as the more I was around him, the more I realized, wow, that's why he looks different in his eyes. So you can tell where a person is spiritually in their eyes. Did you know that? You know, all you got to do is look in their eyes. And you can tell. Why is that? Does anybody know? Somebody tell me. Yeah. Eyes reveal the soul. Got to look at you. I can tell where you are. Tell where people are. This is how, this is how Billy Joe used to be. You want me to tell you what I see? No, I know you don't. That's all right. <laughs> and, and, and it would be weird being around him until you understand. He wasn't trying to intimidate you. He's trying to understand spiritually where you are, where, where you are, where you are. You ever been around somebody and they'll, they'll embrace you in the eyes like that? And you start to cry? You're going through something, and the Spirit of God is connecting with you. When you're praying in the Spirit and you're keeping the Holy Spirit churned up, what happens is we don't churn up the Holy Spirit continually. and We're really and truly a very carnal. We're, just, we're more into understanding, talking. Uh, let me talk. Tell me about that. What about that? What about this? All that stuff is, is not carnality in the form of sense, although it can be. A lot of gossips in the body of Christ. But, but in the realm of the Spirit, it's, it, everything's okay. Everything's okay. Let's all stand. Let's, let's all say it. In the realm of the Spirit, everything is okay. Now, as we close out this, uh, uh, this service, we're going we're gonna to pray in the Holy Spirit here for a few minutes. Would you give me that red book? Uh, but for those of you that have never prayed and manifested your heavenly prayer language, I want to tell you this, because you might think, oh, glory to God, I'm not going down there. When I, was, uh, when I was attending the First Assembly of God with Pastor Charles Hackett, and uh, Pam was spirit-filled, I wasn't. You took a chance marrying me. Oh, well, you knew it was God. And then you just loved what you saw. I understand that. But, 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 but uh, they were talking to me about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Number one, I told them out there, I said, I'm never lifting my hand. That is weird. And I remember my secretary at, at the time, she said, you'll do it someday, and you'll not even know when you did it. And I said, yeah, that'll be the day. <laughs> and I'll never forget. Me and the assembly of God one day, and I looked up like this, and I saw my hands. <laughs> I glory to God. I think I'm becoming one of them. <laughs> and then they well, I'll go that far, but I'm not doing that tongue stuff. And then one day in the shower. Get the shower. is a special place for me. What? <laughs> One day in the shower, I'm just singing away there, and all of a sudden it's like, that's that stuff. <laughs> and, and it just gushed out of me, and I just started crying. And it's like, there's, there's no right or wrong way to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. If you know Jesus, you're a candidate. He doesn't refuse anybody. 
I've got a booklet I want to give to those of you that don't pray in the Holy Ghost. But we're going to pray just a couple of minutes in the Holy Spirit here. And while we're praying, the rest of us, if you're here and you've never prayed and manifested your heavenly prayer language in tongues, I want you to come down to the altar and we're going to pray for you and lay hands on you because it is a gift you don't want to be in this world without. I thank God for the ability to pray in tongues anytime, anywhere.